New, new, new black, new, new black Wall Street book club. Evan Jefferson, brother, much love. Educating, elevating, because in knowledge is the power and we'll never give it up. <laughs> Literature is for the masses. Where to put your money down the how to watch your assets. Yeah, uplifting others is a passion. My brother Evan, he will turn it into action. New Black Wall Street Book Club. You should come read with come us. Read with us. Yeah, we comprehend and discuss. Yeah. If we all just come together, there's no limit for there's us. No limit for us. <laughs> Here comes your host, New Black Wall Street. Evan, take it away. New Black Wall Street Book Club. Welcome to the New Black Wall Street Book Club, where black folk do read. If you put it in a book, we absolutely will find it. I'm your host, ERGJ, your certified financial educator, CEO of ERGJ Enterprises, ERGJ Black Bazaar, and international best selling author of the book. The Black Billionaires Club. It's a study of black wealth. It's a study of the 12 richest black people in the world today and how they built their wealth. And I just believe that if you want to be wealthy, you should study wealthy people. We can find that book by going to the website www.theblackbillionairesclub.com www.theblackbillionairesclub.com You'll find that link in the description above or below. Our affirmation of the day is September 3rd, and we are still here, right? We're still here. So we want to thank God, first and foremost, that he's given us another opportunity to be here, another opportunity to finish our mission, another opportunity to be here on September 3rd, 2019, uh, is the day that we're doing this broadcast live. Our affirmation of the day, uh, the title is Call It The Way You See It. Now, what we're going to do with our affirmations, we're going to actually do a, a quick broadcast every morning with the affirmation of the day. So it's motivation for your daily motivation. So you still get something in the morning. It just won't be this long, drawn out. It's going to be more of a 10-minute nugget to get you started, get you a quick pick-me-up. And then in the evening, uh, Monday through Thursday, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Live, we'll do the Black Billionaires Club. So that's going to be, I mean, not the Black Billionaires Club, New Black Wall Street Book Club. But our affirmation for today is this. To avoid uh, spiritual and moral blindness, I will keep my eyes, my mind, and my heart open. Uh, everybody putting God's heart open. And repeat after me. If you want to get this uh, this, meta, this affirmation, you want to capture this thing, you want to make it a part of your growth and development, you want to sow a seed into your subconscious, repeat after me, billionaires. To avoid spiritual and moral blindness. I will keep my eyes, my mind, and my heart open. Now, let's do it again. Repeat after me. To avoid spiritual and moral blindness, I will keep my eyes my mind and my heart open. Let's do it one more time for the people in the back. We wanted them to know that we mean it this time. This time say it with some conviction. Repeat after me. To avoid spiritual and moral blindness, I will keep my eyes, 
my mind and my heart open. That's our affirmation of the day. Now, I must ask this question. Uh, if you're a person saying, I'm going to keep my eyes, my mind, and my heart open, is there one of those three that you find you keep closed or you keep closing that door more often than not? Are you keeping your eyes closed and, and you're blind to reality? Or are you keeping your mind closed and you're not open to receive the newness of life? Are you keeping your heart closed because you've been hurt in the past or something like that? Now, we must guard our heart and our mind, but is there one of those three areas that you are finding a little bit more difficult to keep open? Your eyes to be able to see, your, your mind to be able to think, your heart to be able to love. Is there one of those three that you're having a little bit more difficult time than the other? To avoid blindness, keep your eyes to see your mind to think oh some other things we do with our mind too by the way discernment oh that's the mind and your heart open everybody put a console hashtag open I want to hear from you today as we're getting our affirmation is that one of those three areas just being honest you don't have to put in the comments if you don't want but I just want you to think about it it's just saying you know what I have a hard time keeping my heart open ah I just, I just keep getting let down. I, I can't do it no more. I, I didn't realize this, but my mind has been closed. I ain't learned that in a long time. I, ain't, I have not educated myself. I'm not open to new ideas. I'm pretty cynical at this point. I, it, it is what it is. It's kind of what people say who have their mind closed. Are your eyes closed? Although you might see, you have eyes to see, but you are still blind. You're not seeing reality you're in some magical, mystical world. You ever meet somebody who can't really see exactly what's in front of them? Uh, somebody who continues to not be able to see opportunity? To avoid, oh, this is good, to avoid spiritual and moral blindness, I will keep my eyes, I will keep my mind, and I will keep my heart open. That is your affirmation of the day uh, here on the New Black Wall Street Book Club. That's our appetizer. Just kind of get us ready uh, for the full course meal. Get us ready for the meat. And of course, the meat is what makes the great great. A quick word from our sponsor. Don't just buy black, decorate black. ERGJ Black Bazaar is the Afrocentric marketplace, and we specialize in urban home decor. Anything from shower sets to wall tapestries to duvet cover sets, you can decorate your entire home with original black art-inspired gifts. Check us out at www.ergjblackbazaar.com, www.ergjblackbazaar.com. ERGJ Black Bazaar, the Afrocentric marketplace. We make group economics easy.
In today's episode of the New Black Wall Street Book Club, we continue along in our journey into the book, What Makes the Great Great? Strategies for Extraordinary Achievement by Mr. Dennis P. Kimbrough. What Makes the Great Great? Strategies for Extraordinary Achievement by Mr. Dennis Kimbrough. We're continuing on in our journey to What Makes the Great Great? A book written by none other than Dr. Mr. Dr. Dennis P. Kimbrough. Dr. Dennis P. Kimbrough, What Makes the Great Great? And we are in a chapter that's talking about the greatest uh, secret. Talking about the greatest secret, which is you are already rich. Everybody put it on, so I am already rich. You are already rich. You are already rich. Thanks so much, Ms. Monica. Thanks so much. for your... So I'm, I guess I'm not getting the comments again on my Facebook. I, okay, I'm going to do it this way. We're going to see these comments. I'm going to make this thing work. Give me just a second. Already rich. You are all. All right, there we go. All right, I'm seeing the comments now. Brent Kennedy. All right, what's going on? Thanks so much. All right, I'm already rich. That's the greatest secret. That's the chapter we're in. We're talking about what makes a great, great. And tonight, uh, we are going to move into our section, uh, our different section. We'll see how far we get. Uh, will you master money or will money master you? Will you master money or will money master you? Let's read. Uh, you now have an understanding of the fundamentals of wealth and prosperity. How many guys would say, you know what, fundamentally I understand these things now. Uh, the fundamentals of being wealthy, the fundamentals of creating wealth, I, I kind of can pretty much get, right? What are some of those fundamentals, by the way? Well, spend less than you earn is a fundamental. Uh, you will you will not be rich if you spend more than you earn. It's pretty simple to understand that. I think we understand that at this point in life. So it's a fundamental that we can understand. So we understand. How many guys would agree that you understand? If you say, hey, I do understand. Some of us, we overstand the fundamentals of wealth and the fundamentals of property. These are considered principles. Same principles that are in the Bible, same principles that are in the Quran, same principles that have been around for thousands of years. Uh, these are things that I believe at this point in time in life we understand. Would you say that you understand? I understand the fundamentals of wealth. It's not like I don't know that I should spend less than I earn. I understand that I should keep a 10%. I should pay myself first. It's not like I don't understand it. I might not do it, but I can't say that I don't understand it. How many guys are saying that's true for me? You know what? I, I am already rich. I may have been misusing the wealth that comes into my hand, but I do understand the fundamentals of wealth. I, I do understand the fundamentals of of prosperity. I understand that. Now, whether I'm going to apply it or not, uh, that's a different story. But I can I do understand it. <laughs> All right, it should be encouraging to observe that each discipline is well within reach of anyone, and I mean anyone who wants to embrace it. It is by this method that poverty can be transformed into abundance. Begin now. Everybody putting comments on now. Begin now to change your habits and alter your thinking regarding wealth, regarding money, regarding prosperity. Begin now. Make a commitment to do whatever it takes 
to apply the greatest secret to your life. To be poor and to have developed an aversion for poverty is a positive step toward experiencing great wealth. Still, uh, if your thoughts are all are allowed to go unchecked and you entertain ideas of lack or limit, you may be blind to those opportunities that can alter your life for the better. As you continue to read, please remember those who fail to understand their history are doomed to repeat it. Those who fail to understand their history. Now, I love to talk about history, especially during a time like this, as we are closing in on 100 years after Black Wall Street, which is what's very important to me. And in 1920, uh, we owned and controlled our own city, owned and controlled the companies or the businesses that ran that city by force, by course, by force, of course. And now we're coming up 100 years later, and uh, there's a statistic that's out there that's saying that 100 years after Black Wall Street, of course, this book club is named after Black Wall Street, the new Black Wall Street book club, but 100 years after Wall Street or Black Wall Street, as a community, we own less now per capita than we did a hundred years ago. Which says to me uh, that as a community, as a people, there is a lot of uh, regression instead of progress. Now, we've taken steps in a lot of areas, but I'm talking about economically. I'm talking about money. I'm talking about ownership. I'm talking about the greatest secret that we are already rich. And is it possible that we've used our wealth to enrich others other than ourselves? We've used the wealth, uh, the money uh, the, uh, that came into our hands to make or to help or to build the community, the wealth, the prosperity of other cultures, other groups, and not in, use it to enrich ourselves. A hundred years ago, we owned and controlled more per capita, which means based upon the, the you know how big a country is, by the way, than we do now, and it's almost a hundred year anniversary for the Black Wall Street. Now, if you if you I'm amazed by that stat, by the way. If that amazes you, just put in the comments a little wow. Just just put wow. I mean, that's something to think about. And, and then as I think about that, I say to myself, well, I'm not gonna be part of that problem. No, I, yeah, that might be true for our community as a whole, but I don't have to participate just because everybody else is. I'm going to be part of the solution. I might just be one of the few uh, that's going to be a part of rebuilding Black Wall Street, which would be the new Black Wall Street. I I'm not part of that problem. I I'm not part of the poverty problem. I'm part of the prosperity solution. I like that. Now, yeah, there might be a lot of people I know that's part of the poverty problem, uh, but I am a part I participate in the prosperity solution. 
Unfortunately, 98% uh, of the population are too busy with the day-to-day -day tasks of trying to earn a living to ever make any real progress toward their vision of financial independence. I would venture to say, uh, agree with this author, uh, that one of, the, one of the things that the enemy is good at doing is keeping you busy. Let me ask you this, and this is going to be a good question for you to think about tonight. Are you too busy to free yourself financially? Are you too busy? Which means that you don't have, there's not enough time in a day. You run out of time every day. And so you have no time left in your day to work on freeing yourself financially. Are you too busy? Is the enemy keeping you too busy? I know I'm talking about busy. I'm talking about working from sun up to sundown. I'm talking about cotton picking. You're too busy so you don't have time left to work on freeing yourself financially. Woo! I feel like it's getting hot up in here. Am I the only one? I mean, that, this is good stuff there tonight. I feel like it's getting hot up here. Will you master money? Will money master you? So most people work hard all their lives, uh, yet fail to develop the habits of spending less than they earn. Sadly, even in a country known for its level of opportunity, most men and women will probably never achieve a lifestyle of financial freedom. Here's what I'm saying to you that are watching here live tonight. Don't let that be you. Don't let that be you. Don't let that, don't let it be that you are one of those many who never achieve a lifestyle of financial freedom. Don't let that be you. Now what's that song say? Like, I want to be free. Oh yeah. Free to run and play, it says. I want to be free. How many guys are watching right now? You feel like you're enslaved in some type of way? Uh, you feel like your finances have you uh you're underwater is what sometimes what they call it when you're when you're when you're when your 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 debts are higher than your income or whatever the case may be, or your liabilities are greater than your assets, they call it underwater. How many guys feel like you're underwater? Uh, you feel like you might be suffocating financially. I mean, you make a little money, you work, you bring a little money in, but it never seems to be that you have more you have more month than money. I mean, your money goes about 15, 20 days, but the month goes 10 30 days, and you're like, wait a second, it's too many days in the month. I, I'm not making enough money to afford the lifestyle that I'm currently living. I, I'm not quite disciplined myself to be in a position where I'm spending less than I earn. A fundamental of wealth. Everybody put it on so hashtag wealth. We're talking. That's a fundamental. It's like numero uno. It's like principle number one. Again, I want to say this for the people that have not heard this already. If you never spend less than you earn, you will never retire. You'll always be broke. You'll live a life where you owe everybody and own nothing. If you never discipline yourself to spend less than you earn, you will never own anything. And if you don't own anything, that means that you won't have anything to pass down. You won't leave an inheritance for your children's children. I mean, but it will be some bills that you'll leave in your will. We're, 
this is a fundamental of wealth. Uh, the very first, one of the very first principles. And, and so if you're in a position where you just, this is the lifestyle that you want to live, you can't afford it anymore. Maybe you used to. Maybe you don't make as much as you used to. I don't know. That means that you got to change your lifestyle until you can afford to live that lifestyle. And so there's so many of us who our eyes are bigger than our wallet. It causes us a lot of pain and strain. Because we want what we can't afford. And we're not disciplined enough, self-disciplined enough to say, you know what? No, self, you can't have it today. Uh, you might want to save up for it later, but right now you can't afford it, therefore I don't get it. We as African Americans live in the wealthiest country the universe has known. Sometimes it's easy to lose perspective. To forget that 25% of the world's population lives on less than $200 a year and that 90 million people throughout the world live on less than $75 a year. Uh, for the majority of us, food, clothing, and shelter are relatively accessible and in abundance. In the United States, poverty is defined as a family of four living at or below $18,000 a year. And yet, tragically, marry many hardworking, Deserving people spend their entire lives with their shoulder to the wheel only to end up financial failures. Uh, in a country, uh, in a world where opportunity is unlimited, role models are abundant and information is free flowing. Far too many people fall, fail to achieve financial freedom or financial independence. Yet most of us could be incredibly wealthy and live our dreams if we just follow several simple disciplines. If we just follow several simple disciplines. Everybody putting the comments on simple. Now I venture to say that the fundamentals of wealth, these things are not complex. They're very simple. I would even venture to say that they're not really hard. They're relatively easy they're relatively easy it's just a matter of practicing simple disciplines every day versus neglecting to practice those disciplines every day it's a choice really it's a, it's a choice you can't say you can't be a person that says you know what I want to I want to be wealthy I want to be a millionaire I want to create wealth for myself and then when we start talking about, well, do you spend less than you earn? You say, no. Okay, will you start spending less than you earn? You say, well, you know, I don't know. Uh, well, then, you know, that goes hand in hand with you and your desire to be wealthy. Would you agree? So so there, there are disciplines that we have, must discuss if we really have a desire in our heart to be financially free and remain financially free. How many of you guys know it's one thing to get free and then to stay, but to stay free is another story i.e. you won the lottery, you had enough money to pay all your bills, but then five years later you're back in debt. Well, you got free, but you didn't stay free. Or, or i.e. you got the inheritance, your, your parents, your grandparents, whoever, uh, they may have passed away and they left you something, they actually had an inheritance, they thought about you enough, they thought about their future, they thought about their legacy enough to leave something for you. And it wasn't just bills, it was actually some assets. And then you got those assets, now you have, you know, you say you got a fresh start, you're like, man, okay, now I'm out of debt, or whatever the case may be, but then three years later you're back in debt. And it's worse. 
how many guys be honest and say, you know what, I've been in a position where I got myself out of debt or I got out of debt some type of way, whether it be from the help of others or something like that, but now I find myself back in it. So I got free, I didn't stay free. And so I want you guys to understand there's a difference. There's one thing to get free, however it is that you do it. Now I found that the people in this world who get free by the way, by the spot, by their hard work and their efforts without help from other people, they're the people that typically stay free. Why? Because they know what it feels like to actually actually get free. They know what it's like, what it feels like to work their way out of their very own mess that they created for themselves. It's a whole nother story when you can just file bankruptcy. Or you can try to get stuff wiped off your credit that you know that you owe. Oh, let me not start there. Where did I go there? But people say, you know what? I created this mess. They're honest with themselves and they'll say, you know what? I created this mess. And they say, you know what? I'm going to do everything in my power to get myself out. As long as God gives me more time, I can get myself out. With this help, of course, of the mess that I created for my very own self. See, I believe some of us, we just got to be honest. We say, hey, you know what? I create, I had a part to play in this financial mess that has a bet that I may have been that may be a part of my life right now. Some of the decisions I, I, I made, they just they weren't good decisions. They weren't wise decisions. Some things may have happened I just had to do, whether it be medical or something like that. We get it. But for many of us, it's not that serious. For many of us, we bargained our future for our present. Not knowing, right? Not knowing what tomorrow may bring, we bargain tomorrow. So we can have satisfaction today. When I say that, that's what it is. That's what it's called when you go into debt. When you willingly choose, voluntarily choose to go into debt, you're basically saying, I'm going to bargain my future, my future earnings, quite possibly, to have satisfaction for today. Knowing that I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, but hoping that tomorrow will bring me consistency, tomorrow will bring me more, whatever the case may be. That's the concept of Signing your line, your dot, your name on a dotted line to get debt of some sort. Now, some of us can justify the debt, the debt that I accrued, the debt that I signed for, the debt that I signed my my name, my, I put my name on a dotted line for. It, it it allowed me to be able to move my family into a house. We get it. That's justifiable debt, I guess, that you took, right? But it's still a decision of bargaining your future, hoping that in the future you're going to continue to have employment or continue to have some type of income that's going to be able to pay for the debt that you signed for 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 30 years ago, whatever the case may be. Everybody put in the comments, oh, bargain. So we've got, we've got to begin to understand the concepts of what it is that we're doing when we make some of the decisions that we make. Debt equals bargain my future. For present day satisfaction. Is that a good that's a good definition, would you say? I think that's a great definition for debt. It's bargaining my future for present day satisfaction. Financially. Of some sort. Woo! So Tom Barhart in his book, The Five Rituals of Wealth, shares the following tale. Uh, one day in 400 BC, the Greek philosopher Socrates and a student walked through a marketplace in Athens. Uh, Socrates, the 
wise teacher browsed among the merchants, stopping at each stand to compliment the shopkeepers of their wares. Ironically, he never bought a thing. His pupil, noticing the philosopher's actions, questioned why he loved to frequent the market but never purchase any items. Socrates replied, I'm always amazed to see just how many things there are that I don't need. So many times people manage their money in a way that prevents them from appreciating the true level of wealth that they already possess. They buy and spend, and many times commit their hard-earned dollars to everyone else never keeping any for themselves. Oh my goodness. <laughs> we commit our hard-earned dollars to everyone else, never keeping any for ourselves. Wow. <laughs> Now the problem is they forget to make themselves just as important as those who are competing for their dollars. In essence, they give all their economic power away. Everybody put it down so I am important. Uh, they, 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 they forget to make themselves just as important as those who are competing for their dollars. In essence, they give all their economic power away. And I want to say this right now. This, I believe, is the biggest travesty that has happened in the black community. That we give all of our economic power away, generally speaking. We give all of our economic power away. Away. I, you know, and I wrote, wanted some of you to really just to think about this for a second. I want you to understand that your paycheck is power, no matter how big or small it is. The income that you have that comes through your business or comes to your business or whatever the case may be, that's power, economic power, no matter how much or how, how little or how small, how big that amount is. But are you using your power or abusing your power by giving all of your economic power away. Let me give you an example. How many guys have actually had a job and you use the finances or the money from the job to actually fund your vision, which is to start your business? How many guys actually had a job, worked some type of job, whatever the case may be, uh, and then you start to save money and then you use this little capital that you had saved up uh, to be able to start your business? Or how many guys have a job and, and you, uh, some type of job or income coming in and you saved a little money because you saw this vacation that you want to go on, you saved up for it for a year, you paid it off weekly or monthly or whatever the case may be, and then you was able to go on vacation. That's economic power. So so many of us use our economic power. We no, not many of us. We all use our economic power. Most of the most of us use our economic power for self-gratification. Right? That vacation became important, so you then said, you know what? I got some power. I'm going to save my my way up so I can take this vacation. And you know what? I got some power, so I'm going to save up so I can go on this cruise. I, I got some power. I realize I got some power, so I'm going to save up to be able to do X and X and X. But then when it's not self-gratification, we tend to forget that we have economic power. Would you agree? 
generally speaking. Everybody put in the comments, I got the power. Your paycheck is power. Uh, the income that comes in, the profits that come in for your business is power. We got the power. We are already rich. But will we use this power or continue to abuse this power? It's just a switch. It's just the only difference is discipline. What you do with it becomes whether you abuse it or abuse it. What you do with every dollar that comes into your hand determines whether you have used that dollar wisely or you have abused that dollar foolishly and given all of your economic power away. Question of the night. Will you master money or will money master you? Will you master money or will money master you? The land of milk and honey. The land of milk and honey. Let's read. Uh, one cold, dark night, as a traveler was crossing a dry riverbed, a, a mysterious voice in the night ordered him to halt. Get off your camel, the voice said. So the man did. The voice then commanded, pick up some gravel from the riverbed. The man picked up the gravel. Then the voice said, now mount and ride on. In the morning, you'll be both pleased and disappointed. As the sun rose, the rider looked at what he had gathered and discovered that it was not a handful of pebbles as he had thought, but a handful of gleaming gems. As the voice had indicated, he, had, he was both pleased and disappointed. Pleased, he had collected a few precious jewels and disappointed, he had not collected more. Like most fables, this story is based on human nature and has a special meaning for those fortunate enough to live in this land of opportunity, where too many of us resemble the traveler who is both glad and sorry. Imagine a, a, a country where a per capita income slightly more than that of Western Europe and considerably higher than the per capita income of Asia, Africa, and Latin America combined. Imagine further a country where half of its 15 million households own an automobile, which is one-third more than in, than, in, than in the former Soviet states, and more cars than in Asia, Africa, and Latin America together. Furthermore, imagine a country where one out of 16 households owns two cars, and one out of 100 owns three or more. Everybody put it guys on imagine. In the land of prosperity, 52% of the households own their homes and 80% of those homes are equipped with two television sets, which is twice the number of sets that can be found in France or Italy and four times as many as those in Sweden. These families have more members earning college degrees than the total student enrollment in England, Italy, and most of Europe. Even among the poorest of the poor, the majority have air conditioning, a, a microwave, and twice as much living space as the average Japanese and four times as much space as the average Russian. Where is this country? You might ask. Surely you would have loved to live there. 
Does it really exist? Yes, it does. It's black America. And the black consumer market. Each year, 32 million black Americans spend billions, $350 billion in 1995 on goods and services. As early as 1969, black Americans' cumulative GNP, gross national product, made it, made it the ninth wealthiest nation in the free world, equivalent to the GNP of, of Canada or Australia and larger than both Israel's and South Africa's. Black Americans are wealthier and better educated than any other blacks worldwide, from New York to California. Nothing elicits as much interest on Wall Street as what black America buys with this enormous wealth. Think about that for a second. Nothing elicits as much interest on where? On Wall Street. The people that you and I might say are, you know, are our competition. Or the people you and I might say don't care nothing about our community. You know what they care about? You know what gets them interested? Is what black America buys. See, other groups, ethnicities, however you want to classify, cultures, here's what most of them know. If they want to get rich, open up a business in a black community that you have found where black America will buy. You want to get rich? You want to be wealthy? You want to set your family up for success? Go open up a business in a black neighborhood. Open up a chicken joint. Uh, open up a Chinese restaurant. Open up a, a, a you know a, a hair salon or a, a beauty supply store. Go, go go open up a liquor store. Go 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 be a franchise at a Walmart. You want to be wealthy. You want to set your family up for success. You want to come to America and do it. Here's the best route to go. Find a black neighborhood and go open up a business that you have found elicits where black folk will buy. Oh, don't shout me down because we preaching good tonight. Wall Street literally researches. Wall Street literally uh, has uh, data on what black folk buy. Because black America in 1995 spent over $350 billion on goods and services. And that number has done nothing but increase. We say this thing called $1.2 trillion of spending power in 1990, I mean in 2018. I don't know what it is now. It's probably $1.3 trillion. So, Asian man, Chinese man, Chinese family, Asian family, Mexican family, you want to get rich? You want to come to the land of opportunity and get rich? Go open a business in a black neighborhood. Now, I don't care if you got to put bars on the door because this might be a little might be a little theft going on. Who knows? Whatever. Do what you got to do, but create that family business in that black neighborhood and extract black America's dollar because all black Americans seem to like to do is be consumers and spend as if they as if they are the ninth wealthiest nation in the world and we live within a nation everybody put it guys on nation a nation within a nation that's what we're talking about we, we have a community we have a nation within a nation 
if you were to just bundle up all of black America itself, it would be the ninth largest country. Which basically saying it, it, it captures, it holds uh, it, it, the, the flow of money, the ninth wealthiest in the world. And we're a nation within a nation. I'm telling you, I don't know about y'all, but my eyes are open. You want to get rich, find out what black America likes to buy. And open up a business just like every other nation, other ethnic group does that floods our communities. Open up a business where you know black folk are going to buy this. I, this hurts. I mean, this is this, whoo, this the bomb.com. This kind of hurt tonight. <laughs> whoo, Lord. So consider these trends. Everybody putting down so trends. It's important to know the trends. Consider these trends. The 1990 Census Bureau found that the median black family income was only 60% of the white median income, where it has been since the mid-1960s. However, East Indians, Koreans, Chinese, Japanese, and West Indian immigrants are carving their niche in the United States economy and creating great wealth along the way. Today, 47 out of every 1,000 East Indian and Korean Americans earn $100,000 a year while only 15 of every 1,000 whites earn as much. Currently, uh, 49 of every 1,000 U.S. workers are self-employed, although more than 65 of every 1,000 Asian Americans are self-employed. Only 9 out of every 1,000 blacks are. While blacks constitute 12% of the population, black businesses account for less than 1% of all business Revenue. So although we make up 12% of the population, our businesses only make up less than 1% of business revenue. Do you see a problem there? We're misrepresented in the business community to serve our own community and, and, and beyond. We're, there's a misrepresentation of black businesses. In a, in, in, there's a mis, there, I don't know if it's a misrepresentation. This could be true. I don't even know if it's a misrepresentation. But there clearly is not enough black-owned businesses uh, doing enough business uh, where they can effectively support, number one, their own community, and number two, the, 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 the marketplace at, at, at large. 12% of the population... I mean that means that that says to me that enough not enough black people are taking a chance. They're not even they're not even try, I mean we have we have people who are trying but if we make up 12% of the population we only have we have less than 1% of, black, of business revenue it says to me there's plenty of pe plenty of black folk who have great ideas who are unwilling to take the risk because for some reason they believe in their mind that this job that they have is safe. This job that they might have is secure. Although they've been given a million dollar idea, although they know that it came from God, although they say, you know what, this could really make me a fortune or it could really set my family up to success, I'm just not willing to take the risk. How I many to be honest and say, I've been there before. I mean, plenty of great ideas that came across my path, but I just simply wasn't willing to take the risk because I feel like my job is safe and secure.
Although every year that I'm at that job, I see another person who looked like me. I see a person who was right across the cubicle from me who thought that their job was safe and secure and they find themselves getting a pink slip not needed anymore i see that happen all the time but in my heart of hearts for some reason i believe that my job that i have is safe and secure uh-oh so monica said not enough quality black businesses uh that's debatable I mean, well, when we don't have enough black businesses, of course we can also say we don't have enough quality black businesses. So I guess that's uh, probably uh, some type of percentage of the businesses themselves. We already have we already have quite a, not that many black businesses, period. And then out of those black businesses that we have, clearly then we're not going to have enough black businesses also. So I mean, that's I think that's relative to the number. I think as we get more and more black businesses, we'll find more and more quality black businesses. Uh, but I think that that ratio will probably still stay the same. I, I don't think that. I think that's a ratio that just happens, right? It's going to be uh, out of out of every ten, you're probably going to have two that just don't make the grade. I mean, that's just these are numbers. These are relative to numbers itself. Liliana the Bow says so many of our people support everyone but other black folks. Sad, asking for discounts. Yeah, we know it to be true. Another stat, the total assets of blacks nationwide rest as a minuscule 1.6 billion, less than 0.1% of the total. As the 20th century nears its end, there are still major metropolitan markets where blacks have yet to penetrate the banking industry. For example, Los Angeles and New York City together, uh, together operate only one black-owned savings and loan and no black banks. Contrast this with Miami where Hispanics control 30 banks. Another stat, according to the Federal Reserve, other ethnic groups tend to be more loyal to merchants of their own kind. Everybody putting the cause on loyal. Uh, capital within the Chinese community circulates there five or six times among other Chinese entrepreneurs before leaving the ethnic enclave. While blacks' money earned in the community usually leaves within minutes. From 1969 to 1994, the proportion of black income spent with black-owned businesses dropped from 13.5% to 7%. That's from 1969 to 1994, there was a decrease of where we spend our money. Well, we don't even spend our money with our own kind. So the experience here is that they open, they get comfortable, and then open when it's feel, they feel like customer service. Goes down, supplies get slimmed, then closed. Hey. And, 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 and I'm definitely not discounting that experience. I mean, I've had that experience. I mean, uh, uh, you know, many black, not many. I'm not going to say it's many. I'm going to say there's it's been few. It's been very few for me. Out of all the ones, all the black businesses that I kind of find out about or meet or whatever, I would say, I would say that's the few. Now, here's also what I understand about people. We tend to... And you tell, I mean, it's not you, Monica, but I'm just saying in general, we tend to uh, heighten, we tend to maximize, we tend to make it way more grandiose when we have a bad experience. And we tend to minimize our great experiences. So in other words, if someone had uh, you know a bad experience of a black-owned business, that would probably go viral. 
but uh, but they may have had nine, eight, nine, ten other great experiences at other black businesses, and that won't go viral. Why is that? Because we tend to exalt our ne- things that don't do work well for us. That gets that bothers us. That gets on our nerves. It tends to take a heightened position in our feelings and our emotions when we're not served properly, whatever the case may be. But when we're served with excellence. We don't go out and shout to the mountaintop, man, look what this business did for me. Now, of course, I'm being, I'm talking in general, but this is generally what happens. So a bad experience, one bad experience, right, can spoil all the 19 other great experiences that you might have had or the okay experiences that you might have had at that one particular business or at other businesses that you have had experiences with that might happen to be black owned. And let's just keep it real, because I really don't like, I really don't, I really hate when I get a bad experience, especially when it comes from my own. So that tends to sting a little bit more. And because it stings a little bit more, I might talk about it more than all the great experiences, because the great experiences, there was no sting. It was just pleasure and pleasure or, and I wouldn't say pleasure. It's expected. I'm expecting to have a great experience when I go to a business. So it's not that out of the norm. When I have a great experience, because that's what is expected. It's all about expectation. But then when I have a bad experience, I wasn't expecting to have a bad experience. That's the sting. And now I can talk about that a little bit more than all the things that I had that came my way that I expected. Would you agree with that? Is that a good breakdown of that? Right, I think that's a good breakdown. In general, generally speaking. Now, of course, course, there's some businesses that need to get their act together. Uh, but I think we must understand as well that a lot of our business, not a lot, some of our businesses simply haven't learned how to do business. I mean, they're still, they're still in entrepreneurship hustle mode. They're still trying to figure out a way how to make it. They had the dream. They, they, they went far enough to, to turn that dream into something of reality, right? That's, that was give them credit for that, right? They, they had an idea and they took it. They, they, they took a risk to, to, to work on building their dream. Uh, but many times they get so involved in the working in on working in the process of their dream that now there's no time for them to work on their dream, which is why we created the Black Business Development Mastermind. Right? But I want to say I give them credit because they did what many people simply won't do. They bet on themselves. They did what many people simply won't do. Uh, they put in the effort. They got the place open. These are big steps. This, these are huge steps for many people who have now, uh, you know, taken a step to at least start. Well, others look at these opportunities and they won't even get started. So let's give them some credit for at least starting. For at least getting something that you could actually see physically come into fruition. Although it may not be run the best. Uh, although they still got some areas of improvement. Man, they got a business and it's functioning. Are we able to give them some credit there? Because we look, we're talking about 0.1%. We got, you know, of businesses. We got 12% of the population, but only 0.1% of black business revenue. Disproportionate in its numbers itself. 
Now these same proportions, we talk about sports and how we have all these black players, but we don't have a few black coaches. It's the same proportion it seems to be around all these different industries where you have a lot of representation from black culture, but you have a misrepresentation or a disproportionate uh, 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 representation of ownership in those particular arenas. Whether it be football, basketball, baseball, don't matter. Black participation, but very a lack of black ownership. This is a problem. <laughs> oh, and we're living in the land flowing with milk and honey. Land flowing with milk and honey. Let's keep going with a few more stats. Uh, West Indians and Africans, nearly 10% of the new immigrants have surpassed the living standard of Native American blacks. Furthermore, black West Indians earn significantly more than the average white American are better educated than their white counterparts. Uh, the United States Census Bureau claims that nearly 2 million Americans are of millionaire status. However, there are only 90,000 blacks who earn more than $75,000 per year. These are numbers. These are stats. So what's the answer? You need to only look around. As you do, think for a moment. Are the most successful people you know those with the highest intellects or talents? Are the wealthiest those who live life to the fullest and partake in the finer that life has to offer the brightest, the smartest, or the most gifted? If you think they are, I dare to disagree. Wealth comes to the man or woman who sees and uses his or her potential for wealth. Everybody put in the gospel potential. Wealth comes to the man or woman who sees and uses his or her potential for wealth. So those two action steps, he says. He says, you got to see it first and you got to use it. We're talking about the power of your potential. You got to recognize it first. That man, I do got the potential. I got the potential. I mean, I got unlimited potential. I mean, I can make as much money in this world as I want to make. I have the potential to do that. Matter of fact, when we say potential, another word that, that comes to mind is possible. It is possible. Because all things are possible to him or she who believes, right? So I already have the potential to earn as much as I want to earn. And so that's me being able to see and recognize that I got the potential. Uh, but then we go into using that potential. This is, where the, this is where a lot of people check out because now this requires work, effort, energy, time. Those three things that people simply don't want to put into their potential. Work, energy, and time. We're going to call that wet. The wet philosophy. Work, energy, and time. And you know what? I'll be creating all these new little... Uh, 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 I got all these new little speaking uh, places that I'm going to be teaching on and speaking about when I go to all these conferences and stuff. The wet. Are you wet? Work, energy, and time. Thank you so much. I got me something new to talk about. You see and recognize the potential that you have to be a millionaire, billionaire, trillionaire, whatever. You see the potential that you have to get out of debt, to pay out that $50,000, $100,000, $150,000. You see it, but are you going to use it? Work, energy, and time must be invested into your potential in order to turn your potential into formalized power.
Wealth comes to the man or woman who sees and uses his or her potential for wealth. Chances are these men or women have made a decision. Everybody put in comments on decision. A decision. A decision to set priorities. A decision to pay themselves first. A decision to keep their economic power for their own benefit. A decision. Individual millionaires consume a very little of what they create. Society assumes that the wealthy wear expensive clothing and live in sumptuous housing. Many people who are leveraged to the hilt do, but not true millionaires. The most successful are more likely to wear a, psych a psycho or a Timex than a Rolex. To be as comfortable with clothes off the rack as high-end designer fashions, to drive a Chrysler or a Ford rather than to drive a Mercedes or a BMW. To dine at home with their spouse as opposed to eating out. And to pay cash rather than bankrolling Visa or American Express. It never fails, says T.M. Alexander, paragon of frugality. The folks I hire look better, smell better, and eat better than I do. And I pay their salary. The only thing that stands between them and poverty is their weekly paychecks. If someone looks wealthy, the odds are he isn't. Now this is wisdom. Because many of us, uh, we have, uh, you know, kind of collected these virtual mentors of people who look like they are something. But odds are, they are not. Is it possible that you've decided to follow people based upon them looking a certain way? Versus following people who have actually proven what they talk about. Then they can easily pull up something saying, boom, here's how much we made last year. Here's our sales report. Here are our financials. See, too many of us, we get caught up in what sounds good versus what is good. We get caught up in what sounds good versus what is good. If someone looks wealthy, the odds are he or she is it? They spend all their money trying to look like they're somebody when they really aren't. And all too often we get fooled by what looks good. But it may not be good. You understand? The creator made you a creature who can think for yourself. Who can believe and achieve in whatever you wish to accomplish. Do less than this and you cannot possibly fulfill your glorious humanity. The mind of mankind is filled with powers to be used, not to be neglected. Either these powers are utilized and the benefits of their use shared with others. Or we incur the penalties for ignoring these gifts. How many of you guys are saying, you know what, I've been ignoring my gifts for way too long. For example, if you were in need of a house and you possess the lot, the materials, and the know-how to construct the house and yet neglected to build the house, you would understand your penalty as you sat in the cold and rain. Too many of us do not use our power to gather in the wealth that lies around us. As a result, we are penalized by poverty, misery, and worry. And we blame everyone else but ourselves because we fail because we neglect to use our power 
we get penalized by poverty, misery, and worry. And then we go so far as to blame everybody else except ourselves. Here's my question to you, kings and queens. How many guys say, you know what, I'm done playing the blame game? I recognize the part that I played in where I am currently in life. Financially is what we're talking about, but of course, wherever you are in life, period. And you know what? I had a part to play in that, and I'm going to do something about changing it if it's not what I want. I'm going to make a decision to stop neglecting to use the power, the God-given power that has been bestowed unto me, that I've been blessed with. And I'm going to start to use it to gather in the wealth that's all around me. The land flowing with milk and honey. When I hear that word, the land flowing, when I hear the word flowing, when I hear the word milk and honey, it tells me, it says to me personally, that there's opportunity to participate in the gathering of wealth all around us. There's absolutely a market for what you do right where you are. And then obviously there's a broader market from not just where you are, but where you could possibly be. This is the new Black Wall Street Book Club where black folk do read. You put in a book like What Makes the Great Great, which we would, we've been reading tonight by Mr. Dennis P. Kimbrough, and we absolutely will find it. In the comments below, for those that are still watching us live here tonight, for our first night of our, our, our we're going to call this the book nightclub, the nightclub, <laughs> right? Uh, I'd like for you to share something that you learned today, uh, something that you might meditate on tonight. Uh, something that you might put into your journal. Here's the deal. The reason why I moved this from morning to evening, because I believe now, as we have finished this reading for today, it gives you an opportunity to meditate on the word. To, to, to study, to meditate, to journal, to go to bed thinking about, you know what, I don't know what I was going to be thinking about, but now I'm thinking about this. And as I think more about this, I'm able to find more solutions to whatever problems I might have uh, that relates to what we've discussed tonight. And so now it puts you in a position where you begin to think of solutions to your very own problems as you go to bed at night. And I believe this is going to help you to sleep better. I believe it's going to help you to wake up with power to get to, with the power to go out and, and use to go to go out and turn your potential into power. Everybody's putting the comments on turn my potential into power. What's going on, Shawan? Thanks so much for joining. Turn my potential. I must. That's a, I mean, we're going to end with this affirmation. I mean, I'm just making this up as I go, but this is a great affirmation. I must turn my potential into power. I mean, we can say that 50 times straight. I must turn my potential into power. I got the power already. I just got to turn my potential into that power by seeing it and using it. I must turn my potential into power. No more blame game. No more pointing the finger. I got something to do with this. I got myself in this mess. I'll get myself out. All we're really saying is that it's possible. 
Because there's nothing that's impossible. All things are possible to him who believes. So if we know that it's possible, then that just means that we must do it. Because we know it's possible. I must turn my potential into power. And absolutely, beautiful people, kings and queens, you got the power. A quick word from our sponsor. Monica Housen said, man, I am important. I have the power here on Facebook. Anybody else? Uh, you got some feedback for tonight. Uh, do you like it? You say, hey, you know what? This evening thing, it might work. Let's let's see how this goes. Had to be on no time constraints. We're all probably getting ready for bed at some point. If you're on the West Coast, you might still have a little bit more time left. We're here on the East Coast. It's now turning into 11 o'clock. Getting kind of late. But I'm, 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 I'm filling my mind with some good stuff. So I can meditate on the good stuff and stop thinking about the negative stuff. And then I can go to bed dreaming about the good stuff. And then I can wake up having a great dream or having good thoughts in my head. And now we begin to say, you know what? Now I'm chewing on this thing and chewing on this thing and chewing on this thing. I'm feeding myself good stuff. I begin to plant good seeds into my life. I begin to get good results. I will reap what I sow and tonight. Hopefully you'll find us, you have found that we're sowing good seed into your fertile mind, which is the ground. As that seed is being sown, as you as you water it, as you cultivate the land, as you're patient in the process, then results will follow. See the good book that has this thing, it says, you know what, you know, you be a farmer. This is a parable of talents. And as you, are a, as you are a farmer, your job is to go sow the seed. And that's my job tonight, to sow the seed. And what I found in that parable is that the good book never said that I'm supposed to be concerned with where the seed, what type of ground the seed lands on, which is your mind. I'm sowing the word. How fertile your land is, is up to you. How you receive this word tonight is up to you. I can't be concerned with your ground. My job is to sow the seed, which I've done tonight. Your job is to receive the seed. And what I found is, as it talks in the book, there are four different types of people. There's some who simply are simply have not, are not even interested in something called New Black Wall Street Book Club. The seed can never enter into their hearts because it's just not something they're interested in. They call this, they call this like the concrete. I may not even have an opportunity to sow the seed into them because they, they 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 came on and left. They said, oh, I'm not interested in that. That personal development stuff, y'all can have that. I got too, I'm too busy for personal development. Right? Too, I'm too busy to read. How many of you guys know those people that are too busy to read? <laughs> right? They said, man, there's a seed that's going to be sown in the thickets. Called us the thorny. The first one was the stony ground. It just, the seed can't even make no, it can't even, it can't even rest up. Birds come up and fly away. So that soldier seed is going to sow into some stony ground. Some thorns and bushes and stuff like that. Right? These are people that hear the word. Right? But but the seed takes no root. They didn't meditate on the word. They heard it one time and said, that's a good, yeah, that sounds good. That's a good, yeah. That's a nice little broadcast last night. 
but they never took time to study it and do anything with it. And he talks about another another type of ground. He said, man, these are the people who are going to get super excited about what you share tonight. They're like, man, that was powerful. But they didn't take notes. So by the time they wake up in the morning, they have totally forgotten anything that you talked about last night. It never took, it never, never, never really got received in their heart. They, they liked it though. It was nice. It was cool. And he talked about the last ground, the, the, the fertile ground. These are the people that get maximum results. They, 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 they bring a 30, 60, and 100 fold back into their life. These people that showed up tonight, they watched. They watched as much as they could. You might not know we were on live, but I'm not sure. But then you say, you know what? I hear what this brother talking about. I hear what they read, man. I'm going to tune in and I'm going to pay attention. Yo, this is free content. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna get all I can out of free because I know I know how much it is that it costs. Read Rainbow 2.0. I'm engaged in the process. I'm gonna like. I'm gonna share. I'm gonna be a part of this program tonight. And then I got my little notebook. I took a few notes. I, I, I may have put them in the, in the chat. Whatever. And now I really got something. I'm gonna meditate on tonight. Could be the affirmation. It could be a word that we share within the broadcast. It could be anything. I'm not quite sure, but I know there's only a few of you that are watching right now who are who because the numbers always pan out to say who are saying who 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 display that this seed, this word is being sown into good ground, where you're going to reap a harvest in your life, not mine. And that's what I pray for tonight that you reap a harvest. That you reap a harvest from the seed that was sown tonight. See, I know I'll reap what I sow because I, I did the sowing. But I'm hoping that you reap because you received that word and then you began to apply it into your life. That's the whole reason why we do the New Black Wall Street Book Club. the New Black Wall Street Book Club, where black folk do read. If you put it in a book, we absolutely will find it. Now, I'm your host, ERGJ, your certified financial educator, and we invite you to join the Black Billionaires Club. Get connected with brothers and sisters who are serious about winning with money, serious about success, and super serious about helping you to accomplish your goals and to build your dreams. Check out the website at www.theblackbillionairesclub.com, www.theblackbillionairesclub.com. You can find that link in the description above or below. Make a decision to change the rest of your life. We'd ask that you would subscribe and support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help us sustain future episodes, to improve financial literacy within our community, and ultimately to help us to build the School of Wealth. To build an institution that will teach the next generation about money, and your small monthly contribution can make all the difference. Well, it says, well, we want to say thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the New Black Wall Street Book Club. We want you to remember this, that it takes a village, and it starts with us. Let's build as we climb together. We all we got, people, and thank God that that's more than enough. Until next episode, you know what time it is. Mr. DJ, hit the music. New, new, new black, new, 
It's the new Black Wall Street Book Club With your host, Evan Jefferson It's time for us to go Now you ain't gotta leave the computer But we encourage you to get out there And learn and apply All the things you learn at the new Black Wall Street Book Club, Book Club Yeah Thank you.